Well, uh, you know, it's a big weekend uh, for us here uh, at Beth Messiah this weekend. Saying, why? We've had, what now? All right? You know, I, so tomorrow uh, is our immersion service slash picnic. It's kind of uh, an end of the summer event for us t- type of thing, you know, and so uh, we're having a picnic and we're all going to be sort of hanging out and enjoying a good hot day and, uh, and uh, it is the uh, time of year when we do uh, immersions uh, here at Beth Messiah. And uh, it really is a very important day. It's not an afterthought. It's not, uh, oh, that's interesting, a novelty uh, act or anything like that. But very, very important to our community. Uh, And so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, Every year when we have it, usually on that Shabbat, I will uh, focus on, uh, on immersion. And the reason is, you might say, well, you know, if you talk about it one year, why do you got to talk about it again, right? Uh, It reminds me of a story that I won't take time to tell. Well, anyway, I will take time. Hey, why not now that I think about it, right? So you've heard, uh, you probably have heard me tell this story before. So there's a guy candidating at a congregation, right? And uh, the centerpiece, of course, is giving the message, right? So he gives a message and it's like, whoa, Whoa, where did this guy come from, right? Uh, we're, he's coming, right? So he gets the invitation, he comes, moves his family, and now it's week one, and everybody said, wait, man, how could he ever do better than, than that message? So he gets up to speak, and he gives the exact same message, same one, right? Okay, well, maybe he forgot, maybe he's, I don't know, you know, we'll see. Well, okay, week two, week two, same, same one right? Uh-oh, a little red flag coming up. Maybe something's going on here, right? Uh, next week, same one. Well, now the uh, you know, head of the pulpit committee is, has to go and talk to the guy, like, what's going on? So they ask him, and of course, what does he say? You know what he says, right? He says, well, when everybody gets this, this one, we'll go on to something else, <laughs> Right? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, and anybody that gets up and uh, gives a, a message, a sermon, a, a dirash, whatever you want, every week, knows that lots of times what happens right afterwards is people come up and say, uh, you know, I appreciated that. That was really uh, powerful. That was, you know, uh, and, and, and if we say, what, what exactly did you like about it? I, I don't know, but it was really, it was really good. I, I, you know, I can't really put my finger on it, but, it was, you know. I, and, I, and so, once a year, talking about immersion is probably a pretty good thing, right? I, sort of uh, hitting it from different angles, talking about it. And of course, now that we've started the book of Acts, you know, it, it really kind of makes sense uh, uh, to talk about uh, immersion, Okay, so the first thing that we want to say about is why do we call it immersion? You know, it's kind of, a, it's not really a, how do I say it? I don't want to use that word. It's not really a fun word. Uh, uh, you know, uh, immersion. It's a very like utility kind of word, you know? Uh, and why don't we just call it baptize, uh, baptism? After all, that's what everybody else calls it. But if you've uh, been coming to Beth Messiah for any period of time, you know we have different names for everything, 
right? Uh, and, uh, and so why don't we use the word baptize? After all, that's just what it is. What are we trying to, you know, why don't we just call it? Okay, so the reason that, that we don't, the primary reason that we don't is that uh, the word baptize, kind of like the word cross and the word church and the word Christ, probably those are the, <laughs> the key words, that uh, in a Jewish environment are like a foreign foreign words, not the meanings of the words, not what they stand for, not the importance of them. Of course, it's all very important, right? Uh, but words are symbols, right? And so they have meanings besides the etymology of the word, like where it comes from, right? But just what word pictures they conjure up in your mind. So in a Jewish world, it conjures up, first of all, three words. Not for me, okay? Uh, not for me, all right? So that's number one. Number two is in the history, in the 2,000-year history of the relationship of the uh, believers in Yeshua and the Jewish community, words like Christ, church, cross and baptize remind people of like death, like physical death, like persecution death, you, you know? And, uh, and so to the Jewish sensibilities, uh, those words are sometimes like, like fingernails on a chalkboard, okay? Now, as Messiah followers, of course, uh, I'm going to tell you uh, my little uh, immersion story in a couple of seconds. And it wasn't in a messianic congregation. It was fine, but it was fine, you know? So what I'm saying is, is that in a messianic environment, I, I, everything from our own selves to our testimony to the Jewish community, I, we, in a Jewish, coming out of a, in a Jewish world, we're going to use different terms for those things. Not because we're covering them up or anything like that. That's very important to understand. Not because we're covering them up, but because we're coming out of a different environment. Okay? So, you know what it reminds me of? I went to visit somebody in the hospital uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, and so you had the lady in the bed who was dying. You had the lady's daughter who's Jewish and the lady's friend who comes from a Catholic background. Okay? And so the daughter asked me a question which was like music to my ears. The daughter says to me, so what's up with Jesus? Okay, that's like, well, how do you do? You know, uh, and, uh, and so I, uh, I told her. <laughs> yeah. So I'm telling her uh, in a very good messianic real way. Uh, and the friend, the Catholic friend says, uh, it's, you know, oh, it's just like Catholic. Just like, so I said, well, you know, not really, because I knew what that meant to the ears of the other person. Uh, no, not really. And I said, this is something from within the Jewish world. This belief in Yeshua is coming from within the Jewish world. It's not like placing a veneer of Jewishness over something that's Christian. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's something that is real. 
and organic and Jewish. And so therefore, we use terms and conduct ourselves in a Jewish way. Okay, so that's why when it comes to immersing people or baptizing people, I, we don't use the word baptize. We use the word immersion. Immersion is, is what, it, what we're doing, okay? And it is what the word baptize means, okay, basically, to immerse into a different environment, okay? I, we could use other words. There's a, another Hebrew word that we kind of use sometimes. There's two words. One is mikvah. Mikvah. Mikvah is the name of the R-I-T-E, the, the Jewish rite or ritual of people immersing themselves uh, for the sake of like having repented of, you know, repenting of sins or being unclean and, and representing uh, uh, being cleansed by God and, and all of that. In fact, R.E.A. Kaplan, an Orthodox uh, Jewish uh, writer, uh, he identifies mikvah with, he uses two word pictures. Uh, one is death and resurrection, and the other one is coming out of the womb. I thought, hey, R.E.A., not bad, you know? Uh, because that's really, uh, those are excellent uh, word pictures of what, uh, of what it is. Right? What mikvah is. Something kind of interesting about the word mikvah, by the way, uh, it's one of those words that in Hebrew is spelled exact. It has two, mean, two distinct meanings, but they're spelled the same way, even with the same vowels. Okay? So mikvah uh, means in a few places in the Bible, like the word reservoir. Like, if you have a Bible and you read the word reservoir, it's going to be the word mikvah. Or a collection, the word collection or gathering. So there's a couple of places, even in the creation account, I believe, a gathering of water, a gathering of water. So it says mikvah, mikvah. Or the word reservoir, you see that, you know, it's used a handful of times in the text of the Tanakh, a reservoir. Um, okay, something like that. Uh, so that's where we get the water, you know, mikvah, water. But it has an entirely other meaning, too. And it's used also a handful of times. And that is a word for the word. This is great. You ready? The word hope. Isn't that kind of interesting? Very interesting. You know, tikvah, mikvah, same word comes the same, right? Kava comes from the word kava, mikvah. It's used a couple of times. One of them is in Jeremiah chapter 14. Mikveh Yisrael, the hope of Israel. So when you read that in, in Hebrew, the hope of Israel, Mikveh Yisrael. And so the combination is great, isn't it? A gathering of waters or a reservoir. By the way, what that tells us is, is that uh, the water can, it's just you need water in one spot. <laughs> you know, that's um, a reservoir. That's basically what a reservoir is, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so uh, tomorrow we're going to have our little reservoir in the back, right? And we're going to fill it up uh, with water and people are going to go in it and be immersed, okay? And obviously we could go to town on the word hope 
And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, probably tomorrow a little bit. Uh, and then there's another word, okay, besides mikvah. Tevila, tavul in Hebrew. Uh, tavul means literally to be, to immerse, to dip or to immerse, okay? So the actual Hebrew word that would equal baptize would be tavul, to immerse, or tevila, uh, immersion. Okay, wow, we're getting a whole lesson here. Okay, there you go. So uh, we like to, because of the importance of, of uh, communication, uh, immersion is basically what, what we uh, call it. Uh, but it is nice to refer to it as a tevila, tevila service. That's kind of a, a very nice service. And, but it's the right of mikvah. So if you can get your scorecards uh, right on all that, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Right? Uh, mikvah is very helpful to us because it places it really in, uh, in the Jewish world. Because in the Jewish world, people know what mikvah is. In Columbus, there are two places that I know of where people can go uh, to uh, go under the water. Definitely, by the way, under the water. There's no, that's not even a thing. You, you know what I mean? In the Christian world, that's a thing. But in the Bible or in the Jewish world, it's immersion. It's under the water, okay? Uh, and, uh, and people do it on like Shabbat afternoon. Uh, uh, women may do it once a month uh, uh, or before a holiday uh, or someone clearly who, is, uh, who converts to Judaism. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something that is uh, done. It's talked about in the. It's talked about in the Talmud. It's talked about in the Mishnah. Uh, it is in the uh, Torah. You know when the priests would have to cleanse themselves, as I like to say, from Ezekiel. I mean, from uh, Exodus to Ezekiel. Uh, you have a uh, mikvah. You have uh, cleansing, uh, and uh, and it's very interesting because in Ezekiel chapter thirty-six. We read about a spiritual cleansing, right? That uh, that takes place, and Yeshua, in talking to Nicodemus, refers to this uh, cl- cleansing the heart with water, right? And so the outward act of uh, going under the water is clearly related to an internal uh, event, and the external. Uh, cleansing, bathing of the priests or mikvah was never meant to be either one extreme, which is by simply getting wet, that is the thing, that's the spiritual thing, nor the opposite, that uh, it's just a symbol and if you get around to it, it's a good thing. It's not either of those polar opposites. Much like the way we talk about Messiah's table, right? It's not just simply something you eat and drink tacked on at the end of the service that symbolizes uh, the uh, death of Yeshua, nor is the, it, does it turn into the real body and blood of, uh, you know, of, of Yeshua. What it is, there is this uh, organic spiritual activity that's going on uh, as we engage, uh, as we engage in it. You know, it's very interesting that in the um, this week's Torah portion, if you read the Darash, if by any chance, 
In, uh, in Deuter- a good example of this is in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 4. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it's not exactly the, uh, immersion, what was being talked about, or Messiah's table, of course, but it's going to make the point. See in verse 6, 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, talking about the commandments, says, So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? What's fascinating is that in Hebrew, there's clearly on purpose, the way it's written, a relationship between what nation is there that has a God so near and what nation is there that has statutes and judgments. It's written in such a way that it stands out. Uh, And it's like there's some relationship between God so near and the statutes and the judgments. See? So in Judaism is a very interesting teaching that in that God fills up the commandments. And so therefore, when we're faithful, when we're obedient to God, we experience God. We experience his presence in the commandments. Well, may I suggest that's pretty good. And that there is, that God does fill up his word, his commandments. And as we are faithful, we like to say it differently, right? As we are faithful in our walk with the Lord, we experience the presence of God. It, so it's not a case of, uh, of uh, legalism that if I do this right thing, then I'm experiencing the presence of God, no matter where my heart is, no matter what my attitude is. As long as I do this thing, I'm experiencing the presence of God, right? Uh, or uh, the, the other end of, of, of the spectrum, well, obeying God is sort of symbolic of knowing him. And, uh, you know, God understands if I do it or I don't do it. Again, so it's like, see, those are polar opposites. So in the same way, it's much like Messiah's table, much like uh, immersion. Uh, and that is, there is this combination of faithfulness, devotion to God, and an outward expression. And may I suggest is that we experience, really, we do experience the presence of God when we have an inward devotion, when we have embraced the Messiah and we live in, in this way. And so, just like uh, God gave uh, the nation of Israel a number of outward expressions, specific like R-I-T-E-S, rights, not R-I-G-H-T-S. Those are very different things, okay? Uh, traditions, maybe I should use that word, maybe it's a safer word. God gave Israel certain traditions that were meant to be engaged in for the purpose of devotion, you know? Uh, uh, like the tzitzit, uh, the, the mezuzah, the, you know, things of that nature, and other things as well, even the dietary laws, okay? Uh, and uh, so that, that's the purpose, you see, is engaging God. And so in Yeshua, we have some of those things too as Messiah followers. And interestingly enough, they both come out rooted directly uh, in Jewish worship and tradition. One is the Passover Seder, and the other one is mikvah. See? 
Okay? Uh, and uh, so Messiah's table comes out of the Seder. Uh, uh, immersion, baptism comes out of the, uh, out of the mikvah. And so when we embrace Yeshua and we go under the water, it is indeed a spiritual moment. It isn't just symbolism. And it isn't just, I, I, you know, if I do, if I check off all the things I have to do, then I'm saved. You, you know what I mean? Very important. Because you know how we like to say in our culture, you know, you just can't legislate morality, right? Which you can't, <laughs> right? You can legislate laws, uh, but not real morality from the heart. So in the same way, you can't legislate people uh, uh, having a, a heart for God. So that gets translated, and it's not just, okay, if I get immersed, then I'm in good shape. Or if I say a particular prayer, then I'm, in, then I'm okay. No, it's have you embraced the Messiah? Do you know him in your heart? You know, uh, and then uh, the immersion is an outward manifestation. It's like an outward manifestation. And as we'll see in the New Covenant, in the Brit Chadashah, it is that's what it is. Nowhere does it say, for example, as, as we often say in our culture, when did you pray to receive the Lord? When did you pray to know the Lord? Right? We all, people, you hear that. There's nowhere that it says you have to say a prayer. There's no place. It doesn't say you have to say a prayer. But in our culture, we've kind of, we need something, might, may I suggest. We need, some, we need something that we, that we do because we're humans. We're tactile people, right? We, we need to do something. We, I would say we almost like yearn for it, you, you know? And so when did you pray or when did you kneel down or, you know, when did you have an experience, Right? Because we need something. And may I suggest that what we read in the, by the command of Yeshua's model in the book of Acts uh, and this, this Jewish uh, uh, rite and custom that has been practiced from antiquity is immersion. And that is what we read uh, in the uh, New Covenant. Okay, so in the New Covenant, of course, we're introduced to immersion by uh, Yohanan, John, right? John the, what would we say, John the uh, Tevila man, <laughs> right? Uh, or John the Immerser, right? Okay. I, 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 but we know him better as John the Baptist because it's like his last name, right? Okay. So in Matthew chapter 3, that's where uh, we encounter uh, this uh, activity, Okay, and we're familiar with it, I'm sure. Now, in those days, John the Baptist, or John the Immerser, uh, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight, which happens to be our Haftorah portion. Uh, uh, today uh, from Isaiah 40, okay? 
Now uh, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being immersed by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Okay? So it shouldn't surprise us in a way that people came from all over to be immersed because this was not an unusual activity. Okay? John did not in- introduce immersion or baptism. Uh, tevilah, mikvah, right? He did not introduce it. But what was new and different was his message, the reason for it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's why the establishment comes and shows up, say, what's going on here? And who gave him the authority to do this kind of thing, Right? Uh, and, uh, and so it was the message. In other words, what John was saying is, come and repent of your sins. And that's what people did. They were confessing their sins because the Messiah is imminently coming. The Alam Haba is about to begin. So get yourself ready. You know, it would almost be the feeling of that would be if uh, we were preaching, the Lord is returning tomorrow, Right? You better get your act together, forgive everybody you need to, and get your affairs in order because this is it. That was the feeling of this kind of preaching, all right? Uh, and, uh, and so we're introduced to it. Now, John's immersion uh, is in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, okay? Uh, and so that's important. So if we say, I want to be immersed just like John was immersing people, then you're missing, what he, you're missing the point. Because John's immersion was in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, right? Okay? And, of course, uh, later on we read here uh, that he says uh, in verse 11, As for me, I, baptize, I immerse you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay? So, remember what we read in the first chapter uh, of uh, the book of Acts? They're waiting for it to happen, right? In the, we read at the very beginning of Acts, in Acts uh, chapter 1, uh, at the beginning, he's, it, we read here uh, in verse 4 and 5, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me. For John immersed you with water, but you shall be baptized, or you shall be immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so now, what John was leading up to is, is about to happen. Okay? Now, we might ask ourselves the question, well, why does Yeshua get immersed? Because if we kept reading to the end of Matthew chapter 3, Yeshua was going to get immersed. It's part of his identifying with the people and their sinfulness. Just like, why did he have to die? You, you, you know? And so uh, Yeshua gets immersed by John as a model uh, and in his identification with, uh, with the people and the need to repent. He, of course, was not repenting of any sins. Right? Of course not. But we see that it is the beginning of his public ministry. All right? 
So there's a lot going on there. But so we see here that uh, what happens in the book of Acts is what John was the forerunner of, right? This kind of, this immersion. Well, we know that uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is poured out. The immersion begins. The immersion of the Ruach HaKodesh, the immersion, the baptism of the Holy Spirit begins. The pouring out uh, of, of the Ruach. So when Yeshua says, well, I want you to go and make disciples, right? And immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, he is saying that, okay, just like he says in Acts 1, you know, you're to be my witnesses, and, you know, and so on, that uh, they're to make disciples, they're to teach people about uh, the gospel, and people are to embrace the Messiah. And now you immerse people, but it's a little different from John's immersion. It's not the same as John's immersion, right? The Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this. When you read that in the Gospel of Matthew, at the end of Matthew, this is, he's not giving a liturgy, okay? It's not a liturgy, okay? That's important because people have a problem sometimes with it. Do we say, why does it say they're immersed in Yeshua's name and acts, but he said the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? It's not a liturgy. It's not some legalistic thing that he's saying. This is what you must say. His point is, is that, you're immersing them in the, in the new age. You're immersing them in the immersion of the Ruach. And when they go down in the water, it's because they've embraced the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The, meaning, the, in other words, having received the Son and, and received the Spirit. And so he's saying it's a little different than just the immersion of repentance that John is saying. It's inclusive of it, of course. But there's more content in the immersion that we have when we embrace Yeshua and we go under the water. When we go under the water as Messiah followers, we are stating a commitment, an identification, and it is part of our transformation. This is different. John's was one of expectation. When we, are in, when we are immersed in the name of Yeshua, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, and the Spirit, we are saying, I am committed to uh, Yeshua, the Messiah. And committing yourself to Yeshua, the Messiah, is not as opposed to our Father in heaven. Okay? Uh, and so we're saying, I embrace the Father's Messiah and in the Ruach HaKodesh, all right? Uh, we're also uh, demonstrating our identification with Yeshua, with the community of Messiah followers, our identification in the death and resurrection of the Messiah and all that goes with that. And we'll talk about that briefly in just a moment. And it's part of our transformation because this is the outward manifestation of what God has done. So it's in the New Covenant, it clearly was understood as something that that's what you did. If, if, you, have, if you know the Lord, you, you do that. You look for water. 
and, and be immersed. It is like the outward part of what happens. It's, it's like they're related, okay? okay? When people ask the question then, if I don't get immersed, if I die, if I, if I come to embrace Yeshua and I die before I'm immersed, am I okay? Yes, of course, because it's not a legalistic event. It's not like something you just you check off the list. Very important to understand. Yet, it's something that's really important and that uh, needs to be done and not an afterthought. So, you know, in my life, when I um, uh, came to know the Lord, I, I don't think anybody ever talked to me about getting immersed. I don't think it was ever, like, even brought up, right? Yeah, Jewish believer, all right, you know, and all that. And, and uh, so I came to know the, uh, came to know the Lord. I, I prayed a prayer myself. Uh, and, uh, and so that, I guess, was, you know, I felt like, uh, okay, that was like this outward manifestation. I, I remember the moment. I remember the whole thing. And then I was involved with uh, an intervarsity uh, fellowship, Christian fellowship, in the campus that I was uh, uh, going to. And still, and I attended a, a CMA church that everybody went, it was really good. I was discipled. Uh, I mean, they did a great job in teaching me the Bible. I mean, part of who I am now comes from in Fulton, New York, that uh, uh, CMA uh, congregation. Uh, and uh, uh, good. But So then I have this uh, moment when I come to realize that I think the Lord is calling me to tell our people for the rest of my life, to tell our people about the Messiah. Okay, so now I'm going to go to Moody Bible Institute. I see on the application, it asks a question. When were you baptized? When were you immersed? Oh, so I guess maybe I ought to do that. If I'm going to get accepted uh, to uh, Moody Bible Institute, I better make sure I'm immersed, you know? Uh, and, and so I was attending. Uh, you're going to love it. This, now I'm living in Buffalo, New York, and uh, uh, I'm attending a Southern Baptist church, Okay. There was no Messianic congregation anywhere where I lived. No, none. I, I don't even know if I even heard of it yet. I, I don't even know. Okay? I, I, so I, I'm attending a Southern Baptist church, right? And, and, and not only that, but I went to see the pastor uh, about uh, uh, this big decision of mine. You know, and I, and I went to him for encouragement because my parents are very much... If they were against me believing in Yeshua, they were... Yeah, it was like the third rail. As my father once said, it's one thing to believe it, it's another thing to let it affect your life. You know? I, and, and so, you know, going to, this is not graduate school. This is not on the, this is not on the plan. You know, it's like a left turn here. So uh, I went to see him to, for encouragement. And he said to me, do your parents, have they given you like their blessing to go to Moody? And I said, you don't understand. Okay, uh, my parents haven't given me a blessing in years, all right, uh, having to do with any of this. He said, well, then if, they don't, if they're not giving you their blessing, you shouldn't go. Bill Gothard, have you ever heard of him? I don't know. It's from another century. But anyway, I, uh, I, and so I left there totally bewildered. Okay, like, what do you, what? <laughs> you know? Uh, so thankfully that, you know, I got myself straightened out. But I was immersed in that congregation and by that pastor. And you know what? And it was real and it was fine. 
uh, even though it was not a perfect setting or something like that. It was okay. Uh, and I was immersed, and I can remember it like, like it was uh, yesterday. I can still see myself going down in the water. And, uh, and it, was, it was fine, you know. Uh, it just should have happened much earlier uh, in my walk with the Lord. Uh, because the farther away it gets, the less connected it is with the, the act of embracing the Messiah. See what I mean? Uh, but yet, no matter how long it is, uh, and I don't care if it was on the application to go to Moody Bible Institute. I don't care that the uh, pastor didn't really understand anything about Jewish anything. What I cared about is, is that I knew the Lord and I knew that this was an important thing to, and, and, I, and I did it. Okay, uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes we have all kinds of, well, it has to be like this, and it has to be in this place, and I got to do it here, and I got, whoa, you know, just obey the Lord here, okay, and go under the water. All right, so there are some passages uh, in the scriptures that are helpful in understanding this. One is the famous, fam there's even bumper stickers with this verse on it, Acts 2.38, Right? Okay, Acts chapter 2 in verse 38. All right. So Peter gives this message, right? Uh, and, uh, and people respond, okay? So the most important part is actually in verse 37. <laughs> this is really, you know, it's always like that, isn't it? You know what I mean? There's the famous verse, but you got to read the verse before it, okay? So in Acts 2.37... This, the Ruach has been poured out. Peter gives this message, great preaching of Peter, okay? Uh, and it says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. That's, you got to get that part, okay? They were pierced to the heart. They were convicted. The message took, you know, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? And I'm of a people of unclean lips. So it wasn't just, good message, Peter, what should we do? Okay? They were pierced to the heart. And now they needed to know, how do we respond? How do we respond to this? To this, not the preaching, but the piercing of the heart, the, the, the uh, conviction uh, of, of the Ruach, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What do we do? And so he says, repent. And let each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, this is not the kind of verse that we should take apart in such a way to say, first there's A, then there's B, then there's C, and then there's D. And if you're missing C, you can't get to D. And if you do D before you get to C, there's something wrong with you. Okay? That is not what Peter meant, and that is not how they received it. That's how, in some circles, hundreds of years later, it became interpreted by people that were so far removed from the whole thing that uh, it gets a little twisted, okay? What he's telling them is, okay, you're convicted. Repent! Repent, just like the message of the prophets, you know? Repent of your sins, right? Uh, and, of course, he says here, and each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua. Well, they're, they're already pierced in the heart. So I'm going to suggest they're pierced in the heart at the preaching of Yeshua, 
at the preaching of Peter about Yeshua. They have, we, you know, this, we struggle. We only have words to describe these things, right? So we, they embraced Yeshua. They, they okay, Peter, uh, what do we, but isn't it great to say, what do we have to do? Because they're human beings. What do we do? Okay, so it's not like they haven't come to know the Lord yet. Now they have to come to know the Lord, and then they do, you know. So they've, they're pierced to the heart of the preaching. They have now embraced the Messiah. Repent means turn from your sins. Now you begin to live differently. You repent, and you repent from the inside out, of course, with an attitude of repentance and then acts of repentance, right? Remember uh, last week? When Ariel uh, spoke so well about uh, the first chapter of Isaiah, uh, and after you're such sinners and I can't stand your offerings and so on, what is the answer? Repent and go help homeless people, <laughs> basically, is uh, what, uh, what the prophet says, okay? Uh, so, in other words, turn from your sins. Have an attitude, of course, not legalistic. Have an attitude and, and turn from your sins. Repent. Now, when he says, be immersed in the name of Yeshua, now this is not some problem like, like Peter forgot what Yeshua said about being immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? He's saying now, be immersed in the name of Yeshua because that is the outward that's what you do. That's what we do. This demonstrates this great truth in your life. And uh, it is like this confirmation and affirmation of repentance. In a way, it's part of the repentance, is this act of immersion, of tevilah, of mikvah, okay, uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so... In other words, what Peter is saying is that you embrace Yeshua, you now repent of your sins, live, live for him, and you will experience the Holy Spirit, just as the people that you see out here have, because that's just happened, right? The Ruach has been poured out. And in the very same way that, that the, the way this plays out in Acts uh, well, rather me telling you, let me uh, uh, show you. Okay, so you have your Acts 2.38. If all we had was Acts 2.38, you could make a, a, all kinds of arguments uh, about, okay, then you have to get immersed in order to have the Holy Spirit. You have to go down in the water in order to have the Holy Spirit because that's what it says. But you know something interesting about the book of Acts? It says lots of things. And Luke writes it in such a way, and we're going to see this as we go through Acts. Luke writes it in such a way that he brings out specific things about specific people and not about others. And so it's very interesting because if you go to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts and you look in verse 47, okay, so you have the centurion, right? He comes to know the Messiah, and he receives the Holy Spirit, and they could see that he received the Holy Spirit because he had the same thing happen to him as what happened to them in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, they were understanding each other in these other languages. That's what he experiences because Peter could see this is what he has, what we have. But notice what it says very specifically in verse 47. Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be immersed who have received the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. 
In Acts 2.38, it says, be immersed and have the Holy Spirit. Here it says, they have the Holy Spirit and be immersed. What's wrong with you, Luke? No. The point is, is that there is no, this is not an order of events. Okay? It's the same experience. And what we're seeing, and again, we'll see this in the weeks, months, and years as we go through Acts. We'll see that over time, it's very interesting that after the 10th, after the 13th chapter of Acts, which is a key chapter in this book, the 13th chapter, okay, for a number of reasons, bated breath, love it, right? Okay, that it only talks about uh, uh, someone's experience of receiving the Holy Spirit one time after the 13th chapter of Acts. Uh, not, that, not that they don't have the Holy Spirit, but because Luke is not making that point after the 13th chapter of Acts. See? So what it tells you is you can't look to Acts for all this normative experiences that we should be having about when we should be immersed and when we get the Holy Spirit. and so Because, because uh, look at somebody like Lydia. Lydia. Whenever I think of Lydia now, who do I think of? I think of a lady named Gigi, right? Because uh, at her funeral, she loved to wear purple, and I, I talked about Lydia at her funeral. Okay. Anyway. So in uh, chapter 16, in verse uh, 14, if chapter 16 in Acts, is a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a, a seller of purple fabrics, a wealthy woman, uh, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Interesting terminology. Opened her heart. Opened her heart. And when she and her household had been immersed... She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Okay, you know what's interesting about that? It doesn't say anything about, okay, there she got the Holy Spirit. doesn't say it. But she's faithful to the Lord. She opened up her heart to the Lord. Does that mean she doesn't have the Holy Spirit? No, it doesn't mean she doesn't have the Holy Spirit because Yeshua promised that, that when, when, when we come to know the Lord, we'll have the, the Ruach, the Helper. See? But Luke's not making the point of that here. That's why he doesn't include it. But you know what she is? Hospitable. You know? She uh, opens up her home. This is the this manifestation of, of her faith is she becomes hospitable. And in a dangerous time, she becomes hospitable. Okay? All right. But notice she gets immersed. It's like, obviously, she, you know, she's opened up her heart to the Lord. She gets immersed. She gets immersed. And we see that over and over again. We see with the centurion, Got immersed, okay? So what is the great, uh, another great one real quickly is in the eighth chapter, the Ethiopian eunuch. And don't we all wish we would have this experience like Philip? I'm walking down the street and someone's sitting on a park bench reading Isaiah 53 and asks me, how can I be saved? You know, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, okay, all right? So uh, you have uh, uh, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch uh, and you have basically that, uh, uh, Philip sees him, uh, and he, you know he's reading the passage of Scripture. He was like a sheep led to slaughter. This is in verse 32 and 33. And then it says in verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and began from the Scripture. He preached Yeshua to him. 
And as they, were, as they went along the road, they came to some water. It just says, I love this. The simplicity of this is fantastic. They came to some water. It doesn't say they came, it doesn't say they came to some, some halachically, a halachically approved water uh, or something. They just came, they found water. All right? Uh, and the eunuch said, look, water. <laughs> I love that. Look, water. What prevents me from being immersed? In other words, the Ethiopian eunuch understood that this is what you do when you believe. It's like breathing, you, you know? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so uh, we read here, And Philip said, If you believe in all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua the Messiah is the Son of God. Okay, then it says, And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he immersed him. And when they came out of the water, the Holy Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way. Now, what's really interesting about that is it doesn't say that after he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit uh, came and indwelt the eunuch. It says the Holy Spirit snatched Philip away. Okay? That's kind of interesting. Now, does that mean that the, the eunuch did not have the spirit? No, it doesn't mean that. I believe that the eunuch had the spirit, okay? But it's telling us something about Philip, okay? That's why Luke says that. Now, but if we think that if when I read Acts, this is what happened to them, that's what happens to me, then tomorrow, when we immerse three people, I'll just say it now. Adios. Okay? I, because, you know, there, there you go. This was, this happened in this most unbelievable time of, of covenantal transformation, right? And so Luke is explaining that, all right? So very, very important. Oh, but notice what it says about the eunuch. Okay, after, after Philip gets snatched away, what does it say about the eunuch? He was rejoicing. He was rejoicing. So you have Lydia who opens up her home and you have the eunuch who's rejoicing. They are experiencing the Ruach. They're experiencing new life. But the point is, is that they got immersed. For us, the point right now today is they got immersed, right? And so we don't read about an order of this, that, and the other thing. That it is, the reason Peter says that in 238 is because this is what we do, you know? Uh, you believe, you, you get immersed. Uh, and so, very importantly, as we finish up here, uh, to understand uh, that, so when we are immersed, we are, uh, we are demonstrating our identification, commitment, and transformation uh, in the Lord. So very quickly, in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 4 and 5, what do we read? There's one immersion, one immersion, right? We read uh, in Romans 6 that we're immersed into the death and resurrection of Yeshua. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we read we're immersed or baptized into the body of Messiah, right? What's happening is we are immersed we're demonstrating, showing, committing, identifying, and walking in 
the new spiritual environment in which we live when we embrace Yeshua. We enter into the baptism of the Ruach. We enter into it. It's not you. You got zapped and you got zapped and you got zapped. We enter into it. We live in a new environment, but it's a two-way street. We enter into the immersion of the Ruach and the Ruach comes to dwell in us. We're entering into the presence of the Lord. Primarily, he ab- we're abiding in him and he abides in us. We abide in his word, and his word abides in us. We are living in a new environment, okay? Now, all the ramifications of that will take another message or something, you know? Uh, And perhaps in chapter 2, we'll talk about, uh, of Acts, we'll talk about that. But in this new, this new environment is where we live in the, the kingship of God. We could say the new environment is the unseen real world, of spiritual life and Messiah. The unseen real world is that Yeshua is really our king. He is really at the right hand of the Father. Uh, He really is making intercession for us. We really are new creatures in Messiah, even though the seen world can't see it. But it's in the unseen world. And so, when we, when we make choices in our lives where we live as if that's not real, that's where we dampen our faith. That's where we can get really depressed. That's where we can get really um, uh, sad. And that's where we get really convicted. And, and when we confess our sins, we're right back there. You know, we're right there, uh, you know, in the light. And, uh, and that is where the empowerment, spiritual empowerment, uh, to live in this life comes from. And so when we go under the water, we're demonstrating we're entering a different environment. We're showing the whole thing. The death and resurrection, the womb being born from above. But most importantly, it is this, my identification in Yeshua, in who he is, uh, and his the body of Messiah, you know? Uh, and part of my spiritual transformation. So that's why we do it. And that's what we do and why we do it and why we call it what it is. And so I hope that you'll be here tomorrow uh, for it. It's that important. Uh, uh, so if you uh, uh, can help, uh, probably be good to come around be around 11.30. That's what John told me, John LaMotta told me. Uh, and uh, you might want to fill out uh, some of those uh, sheets out there with food to bring and stuff like that, and uh, we're just going to have a real celebration. And I'll tell you, uh, right now there are three people. Uh, uh, Jean-Marc, there you are, O'Connor right there, right? Uh, Tomorrow, uh, Jaden Lee, right? And a new friend uh, by the name of uh, Gregory Gonzalez. Uh, uh, who sort of, uh, one of those uh, people just sort of showed up on our doorstep. Uh, and uh, so kind of interesting. All right, so uh, be praying for them. Uh, and, uh, and may we just appreciate this great work that God has done in our lives by pouring out the Ruach, that we get to live in this age of, uh, of the Messiah. And so let's pray. 
Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, uh, Lord, that the promise of the Father has come, that the Ruach has been poured out. Thank you, Lord, that you have opened our eyes to enter into the immersion of the Ruach, into the immersion, the Tevilah of the Ruach, <laughs> or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And uh, thank you, God, that that is where we live and that we dwell and we enter into your presence and, and uh, are empowered in our witness and in our, our testimony and in our navigating through this choppy world. Lord, thank you uh, uh, for that. And we pray for this lost world that you would open up people's eyes to see the possibilities. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us physical demonstrations of, uh, of, of this transformation. And this particular one is immersion. And so, God, we thank you. And I pray that we can all, if we are, uh, if we've embraced the Messiah, that maybe even right now we might think back to the moment when, when I was immersed and realize that that was part of a spiritual transformation in my life. And that we can look back on that moment and understand that that's what that was. And we pray for uh, these gentlemen tomorrow, Lord. And perhaps there'll be others, Lord. Uh, to uh, enter into this physical uh, act of devotion unto you. Lord, we thank you, and we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.